0: teachers. Thank you, kids. That's a lot of fun. You never know exactly how it's going to go, but it is a lot of fun. I really appreciate, you know, this is a picture. I, I, I was in the child dedication overview today. In a couple weeks, uh, we're going to be having a child dedication uh, for parents that want to dedicate their, their children. And a big part of what it means to dedicate your children is that you explain to kids how God works in the world. And as a church, we, we want the kids to come in here so they can see that as they give to others, that that really is a big deal. And so this table full of shoeboxes, that really pleases the Lord. And so we wanted them to to have a picture of that. So thank you for welcoming uh, them uh, in here this morning. Uh, Like I said, I'm going to be wrapping up this series called Hometowns, which we started a few weeks ago. And today we're going to be talking about the idea of hospitality. And in this series of Hometowns, we've been talking about the, the idea of community and how That's something that we all long for and and desire and how God has actually wired us to uh, experience that. And so if you've missed some of the weeks, I just want to spend like the first minute or two uh, highlighting where we've been over the last few weeks. And then I'm going to shift gears and what we're talking about uh, today. And so you'll see the titles of each series up here on the screen. And I'm just going to recap that briefly. And so we started uh, the series talking about longing for a hometown and how the desire to be connected to a group of people is actually not something that we just have created within ourselves. It's something that we were actually created for. Uh, God has created us and therefore we have this need for community because he himself uh, is connected. He's con- connected to himself in the Trinity. And we talked about how there's three persons in one being. And how God has instilled this this need to connect in community in, in us as well as his, his creation. And so... When we experience community and when we experience being connected to others, we're actually living the kind of life that, that God wants us to live. And so uh, the series of the, the, the series program image that you can see on the front cover and it's up here on the screen, this is kind of a, a, a picture of what community should be like. In the midst of busyness of life and in the midst of all the things around us, there should be a sense in which we have this, this group of people, this hometown where we can be known. And we can know others. And as we experience that, we actually can live the life that God wants us to as, as we connect to him. Okay? The second week of the series, we, we talked about city limits in our community. What, what are the, the ways that, that we can connect each other? And what are the boundaries and the way that we're supposed to treat each other in the community that, that God is putting together? Uh, the third week of the series, we talked about getting involved and how it's actually something, community, that it's more than an idea you, you actually have to take steps to connect to it. Uh, we know that relationally. We can't just build deep relationships with people just because we want them uh, bad enough or we, we want the idea of it. It's actually something you have to take steps toward. And so we, we talked about how do you do that in church life? How do you get involved and connect with a group of people? Uh, well, then we talked about heroes and how leaders are supposed to set the culture in the community uh, and also how followers, as they follow leaders and as leaders lead, We can actually move as a community on mission, not just a group of people that are hanging out, but actually accomplishing the mission that God wants. And that is to make his name known throughout the entire world. And that's the community that God wants us to be. And then last week we talked about fault lines and how relationships can get messed up. And in any community, we can't just fake it uh, when things get messed up or when there are misunderstandings or when we're not on the same page, how God values unity And how we need to make steps towards that individually and and as a church. And so that's kind of where we've been headed. And today's like the capstone of the entire series talking about hospitality. And that is the idea of what does it mean to welcome people that are not in the community to become a part of it? And what does that mean for us individually? And then also, what does that mean for our role as a community of people? And so this idea of, of hospitality, this should characterize the kind of community that that God wants us to have. And so I'm going to talk about that and the biblical basis for being hospitable uh, to one another. Um, This idea, though, is is real to us maybe even without knowing or using the word hospitality a lot. This idea of have you ever been accepted by a group of people and that acceptance, the fact that you are welcomed in, Maybe it was to somebody's house or maybe it was to a group of people. You were an outsider and you you were welcomed in. If if you've ever experienced that feeling of acceptance, there's actually something that compels us by being accepted that, that that draws us in. It draws us to the group of people that accepts us. It gives us value. It gives us meaning. And so being accepted is something that is very real, and it makes a huge impact on our life and the outcome of our life. The opposite is true as well. Have you ever been rejected? Anytime you hear rejected, it might be like the one girl you asked on the date or the one guy you wanted to invite to prom. Like we have a rejection in terms of like a relationship maybe with a significant other. But we can be rejected in lots of different ways throughout life by being on the outside of a group of people. Uh, When I was in seventh grade, I experienced probably my worst rejection. And I'm just going to share that with you because I still remember it, okay. Um, In seventh grade, we had PE class, and they probably still do this today. It's, you have to pick, like, boy-girl order, and you know the status of your athletic ability by how close and how first you are in the the picks, and they were picking, and it was, like, for a baseball game, and there was, like, tons of people that need to be on every team, so I was looking around, like, I have a pretty good chance of being drafted. I just don't know what order and so they're calling boy names and girl names and people are going to their teams and everyone's kind of hoping to get on this team or that team and with your friends or with this girl you like and they're just calling names and I'm looking around and everyone's getting picked and I'm not getting picked and that like feeling in my stomach of like uh uh-oh I'm not being picked I started to get really nervous and so like maybe you know so I kind of moved a little bit like maybe they didn't see me you know so I (laughs) if I slide this way you know little wave, like, hey, remember, like, I walked by you in the hallway, you know? This is like junior high just summed up, right? It's awful. And so I wasn't getting picked, and then the captain of the basketball team, and there's like three of us left. It's like two girls and a boy. I was the boy, okay? I think about that for a second, but it'll make sense in just a moment. So the captain of the basketball team looks looks out, and he's just trying to figure out who, who he can pick, and he looks at me. and He says, hey, is that is that a dude or a girl? True story. And like, I knew he was talking about me because I was the only boy there and he was looking directly at me. And I didn't know at that moment, like, what, what do you say? So I said, I'm a boy. I was like, that was really embarrassing, like to have to, you know, my hair was kind of long. You know, anyways, there's lots of, <laughs> lots of issues in junior high, okay? But at that moment, like that was the worst rejection I had ever been felt. You know, I'd ever felt my whole life. And it was like, not only was I not picked, but they didn't know if I was a guy or a girl. Like, there was just this sense in which something was deeply wrong with that reality at that time. And for me to explain to him that I was a boy, that made it even worse. And then I don't know if I got picked next or if I was last. I just forgot. I just shoved it down. And the reason I say that is, like, it was embarrassing. And it, it actually hurt. Like, in a real way, like... I haven't, you know, seen counseling because of that, like one instance or anything, but I remember it. I remember that feeling of, like, being rejected. And, like, that really, like, stayed with me for a long time, that, like, feeling of just not belonging and not being picked. And, you know, when you're young in that age, that, that really, that can stay with you. That can form a big part of who you are. And we, we all know that, and we may have stories. You may have been, like, in the same situation, or you may have been the person picking depending on where you were in your school. But the same thing happens in in adult life. Um, It's not as stark. We don't line up and people pick for which work project. Like, all right, pick. We're going to pick here who's going to be on work. But it still happens, this idea of am I going to be accepted? Am I going to be rejected? Am I going to be liked? Am I going to be disliked? So this idea of hospitality is key to this, this idea of accepting people, including people. And the church... This should be the kind of community we are, that we are an inclusive group that invites people to join in at their own pace, the community that God has put together. The reason I I bring this all up is it's something that if we miss this as a community, if we are not hospitable and inclusive, we really cannot fulfill the purposes that God wants for us because he doesn't want us just to be a content group that's fine with our own circle, that's closed off to others. He wants us to be the type of group that by the way that we treat each other and by the things that we do, the things that we say, people are going to want to be a part of it. So I'm going to talk about how that happens, but I want to kind of kick off by highlighting the biblical basis for how hospitality shows up in the Bible and and why this is important to to God himself. And so God wants us, the church, to be rooted in a love that generates hospitality. And so hospitality is actually a byproduct of. ...of the love that God has for us. Hospitality always is anchored in love. For it to really last, for hospitality to be real, it has to be anchored in God's love. And 1 Peter 4, 8 and 9 says this. It says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. This is a command to, to the early church. This is found in the New Testament. And you see this, this, this prong of love and hospitality, how the two go together. We're to love each other because a love covers a multitude of sins. And the reason this reference point to covering a multitude of sins is actually speaking of a certain type of love that God has for us. And it's agape love. When God sent Jesus into the world to die on the cross for our sins... He was sending us somebody who could take away our sins and therefore we could be invited and included in in God's kingdom. And so God actually, through sending Jesus, made a way possible for us to be connected and accepted by God. Because of sin, all of us are actually rejected people because we decided to rebel against God. But knowing that we would sin, God throughout the creation of time knew from the beginning that he would send Jesus so we could, despite our sin, connect back with him through Jesus Christ. And so this kind of love is represented in him sending Jesus. And so if you've been around church a long time or just a short time, we should always be talking about Jesus. That's because he is the way back to God. He is the way that we can experience the life that God wants us to have. So this kind of love is agape love, and it means a sacrificial love that gives and does what's best for another regardless of how you feel in the moment. The most common love we experience in today's culture and throughout history is most of the time a love that's dominated by feelings or desire. We love somebody because we we feel something for them, or we love something because we want it have this deep desire and so we we love it we long for it well agape type of love is not rooted in feelings it's not rooted in desire or emotion at all it's actually rooted in this putting others in front of myself kind of love and it's rooted in god himself we can't have agape love outside of god and so christians should be the most loving group of people that exist on the earth Because as we connect with Jesus Christ, as we are accepted again because of his sacrifice on the cross, we connect to his kind of love. And his kind of love cannot be manufactured anywhere else except through Jesus. And so when we love in a sacrificial type of way, and as Christians love like God has loved us, there is nothing on the face of the earth that that can actually replicate that. So this community and hospitality that we're talking about, this is where people can really see what following Christ is all about. And so this, this kind of love we see in Romans 5.8, this is the definition. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's just a summary of, of what I've said. You want to see how God loves us, you look at him sending Jesus. You want to see what that means Pr- practically, you look at how Jesus lived. You look at the fact that he died for our sins, that he rose again so we could have life in him. So when we talk about being a Christian, it means that we accept Jesus Christ as the payment for our sin. He's made it possible for us to connect back to God. And so this inclusiveness begins with God himself sending Jesus so we could have a way to connect back with him. So Romans 5.8, if you've not memorized this verse, this is a great verse to remember. Because it's just central truth. If you want to know God loves you, you look nowhere other than the person of Jesus Christ. And in him, we can experience God's love. Uh, We looked at another verse in this series, uh, in another message on another week, talking about being born again, how the community of Christians is a group of people that have been born again, that is, they become Christians. And you see that. Uh, in the, the verse written by Peter, which is the same verse I've been working off of, but it says, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. So Christians, again, are born again, and that's being born again on the basis of God's love for us. So hospitality, unless it's anchored in love, unless it's anchored in God's love that he has for us, it does not last. It's fleeting. So for us to be a group that accepts and loves people, it begins with our relationship with God, accepting his love for us, and then that being the kind of love that we extend to others. And that brings me, kind of all this background brings me to the second part, and that is we're supposed to show hospitality to one another without grumbling. If you do a survey of, of the scriptures, you see this, this emphasis always on accepting and serving and loving, and meeting the needs of others. This is central to being a Christian in a real practical way. What's interesting about this verse is show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Anytime the Bible brings up something like grumbling, you realize that it's there because people probably grumble. And that got me thinking, like, what are things when we have an opportunity to show hospitality, what are things that would cause us to grumble? Okay. So for like the next 30 seconds. You don't have to say this out loud, but I want you to think, if you have an opportunity to help somebody, to show hospitality, be kind, to serve them in a way, what would cause you to grumble about doing that? Take 30 seconds, just write it down or think about it in your head. seconds yet if you're an extrovert that felt like five hours here, here were some of the things that i thought about you'd grumble if it's inconvenient wouldn't it be just seemed like ideal if i will be hospitable to somebody if their need shows up on tuesday afternoon between two and four that'd be convenient because it's on my calendar. But very rarely is an opportunity to be hospitable come on a calendar that that we put together. That's not how opportunities happen. And so it's it's inconvenient. Another thing is like limited resources. It it's easy to grumble about but being hospitable if you just you don't have much time. And so you're thinking, well, how, how can I help this person? How can I invite them in because I got to go somewhere else. So it could be time, it could be money, be, you know, inviting somebody over to eat is a key way you could be hospitable. But to buy groceries for someone else, it costs you money. Sometimes just limited resources. Tired. Any of you guys have that on your list? You're just tired, like, I don't have the energy to do this. And so th- these are real. The scriptures say, you know, do it without grumbling because the grumbling is, is real. It's not just planting an idea in us. It's because in our hearts... We want to think about ourselves. And we want to operate nine out of ten times with what's convenient for us. So, when we talk about it being rooted in love, the reason hospitality is so crucial is because it is the thing that counters our natural self centeredness. To be a hospitable person means that you will be looking to the interests of others, and that will impact your life, and it can impact your calendar and it will impact your budget in a real way. And this is, I think, part of the reason why in the New Testament, as the church is being formed, you see again and again people being encouraged. You be hospitable. You be hospitable. You be hospitable. Because as you take the steps to do that, you're actually countering individualism. You're countering independence. You're countering selfishness. These are the things which are normal for us. When you choose to look how you can host or help or love somebody else, you're being like Jesus. And the way you be like Jesus is you're rooted in his love, that agape love. Uh, Romans 12, 10 and 13 uh, puts it a little bit differently, but, but you see this hosp- hospitality come up again. It says, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show Hospitality. So here you get a little bit different picture of hospitality. The first one was be hospitable without grumbling. You have a little bit of a negative, like do this, but you're gonna have to fight the grumbling nature we all have. This one goes a step further. Seek to show hospitality. Think about that. What would that mean to actually seek to show it? Like how would you seek hospitality? It really means like Are you looking for opportunities around you to be hospitable to others? Are there ways that you can practically meet needs? So to practically meet needs means you need to know what the needs are, which may mean you you actually have to get shoulder to shoulder with people. You get to know them, and you learn to ask questions. You learn to listen. And as you do that, you can see needs that they have, and then you can seek to show this, to show care Show love. And this idea of showing affection, there's this, this, this unit of people that they, they look out for each other. The word hospitality, actually, when it's translated, it means fond of guests. Fond of guests. And the guest idea there is, is like, you, like stranger. Like somebody that doesn't necessarily belong to your group. And so for the church, this is huge. There's a sense in which there's no guest that comes that we're ever thinking that person doesn't belong. In fact, it's the opposite. When we see somebody that that isn't normally here, there's a sense in which like there is an opportunity to show hospitality, to be fond of guests, to show them love, to defer, to organize in a way so that they they feel accepted and. Welcome. That that takes a tremendous amount of, of effort. I'm going to show a clip uh, this morning, and this is like this is like a long clip. It's like almost five minutes. Like get your popcorn out, kind of clip. Okay. Usually clips are between two, maybe three minutes. This one's a little bit longer, but I wanted to show this because it's actually not even related to the church community, but it's related to a group of people in Canada that when 9/11 happened. They had an opportunity to show hospitality to many Americans that could no longer fly into America and were stranded. And so they they went to this community called Gander. And this community was a small community. You'll hear about it in the clip. But all of a sudden they had this tremendous opportunity to basically get a group of people that was bigger than their whole population of their town. They would have never seen this. They never knew this would happen. But all of a sudden all these flights are diverted to land right where they are. I want to show this because it gives you the things that they did to be hospitable. But then it also shows you what was the outcome of the choices that they've made. And so I'm going to watch it. or We're going to watch it together. And then I'm going to talk about it and and continue on with the message. Let's watch that.
1: September 11th, 2009. This is a scene that has played out in communities for eight years since the terrorist attacks of 2001. But what makes this ceremony different is where it's taking place. This is the Appleton Peace Park near the town of Gander in Newfoundland, Canada, where during the tragedy of 9-11, there was a bright light. On the better part of our
0: humanity.
1: For the first time ever, American airspace is closed. The FAA now says that all international flights headed for the United States are being diverted to Canada. September 11th, eight domestic flights are scheduled to land in Gander. Instead, 38 planes carrying almost 7,000 people are beginning to fill the tarmac. The spectacle has drawn a crowd from among the town's 10,000 citizens. Oz Fudge is one of just two officers on the local police force. I watched the plane come in, and I seen a jumbo come in, and then I seen another one coming in. I'm looking at this, and I'm saying... Holy God, if, if if there's 200 people on each one of these planes and we're going to get 40 or 50 planes, that's an awful lot of people. Gander begins the process of absorbing all those passengers, so many that in a matter of hours they will nearly double the local population. Currently there are
0: thousands of people in Gander and surrounding area that need your help please come to their assistance, lend a hand, lend a meal, offer your services wherever possible. I'll tell you, this experience with your town has just been beyond belief. We were uh, buying some
1: some uh, clothes earlier for the extra day stay, and the uh, shopping clerk actually invited
0: us to our house to take a shower. So it's been uh, it's been like that ever since we've been here.
1: And the people are real nice. you know. I can't believe it, you know. Everybody put their arms around you, you know, and it's always food coming in all the time.
0: There's not one person that we have come across who hasn't offered to help us in some way. It's overwhelming.
1: U.S. airspace reopens on Thursday, September 13th. Shirley Brooks-Jones, the retired Ohio State Fundraising Administrator, boards Delta Flight 15 to begin her journey home. She's constantly thinking about the generosity of the people in the Gander area, wondering what she could ever do to pay them back. And then, going home, an inspiration. All of us, as we were
0: leaving, tried to leave some money with the people. And they wouldn't take it. They'd just look at us and they'd say, no, you do the same for us.
1: Once the flight is airborne, Brooks Jones asked the pilot if she can make an announcement. A request, really, for passengers to donate money toward a scholarship fund for graduates of Lewisport Collegiate School... Where so many have spent their days in Newfoundland.
0: Several of the men went around, picked up the pledge sheets, counted up how much the people from from all over the world had had pledged, and they had pledged something over fifteen thousand dollars U.S.
1: What we keep encountering, time after time, is an enormous contrast between the darkness of the events in the United States and the goodness that was going on here. So in many ways. Gander played a critical role not just in getting people through that time but as an example of what humanity can be when it's at its best.
0: Well, I think it was there was a, a lady, she was 80 years of age, and when she was leaving, I think she summed it all up. She said, When I heard about what had happened in the world, I had lost all faith in mankind. But after spending five days here with you people, you've restored my faith. There still is. Good people, lifting our world. When I sit down, you know it's a longer clip. Uh, We wanted to show that because it it gives this picture of what was happening in in the world at the time, especially in the United States, which was just this dark time. People experienced tremendous loss, loss of life, uh, and all sorts of things. And in this moment... This group of people that it didn't directly impact decided to take a burden on themselves freely. And they showed hospitality. And this was in a, a real sense, in a real predicament, circumstance that was awful. But the same is actually true in, in life, in the flow of life every day. There's people who are in darkness themselves uh, spiritually. If, if they've not committed their lives to Christ spiritually they're they're in darkness they don't have hope Uh, they're trying to figure out how to make just life come together and and they can't do it outside of jesus christ and as the church we are supposed to be this light that for the people in the darkness while sometimes it may be just bright they can't seem to come towards it as as they take steps and as we take steps towards them there's a sense in which god gives us this tremendous opportunity to meet people in The darkest times of of their lives as well and you don't know what's going on with anyone in their life Uh, we have a good way as humans we can hide things Uh, we can make it seem like everything is okay and together but what we do know is there are people who are hurting that need help that are desperate for love and acceptance for people to look out for them and what god has done is he's put together his followers christians as these ambassadors of hospitality, of love and acceptance. And this should be what is penetrating the darkness of the world, the light that we have of Jesus' love. We're supposed to extend this to those all around us. And so I want to kind of shift gears and talk about practically uh, what does this look like for us. As you heard in the video, there's people that were just pouring out food and letting people shower uh, in their house. Uh, We may not have that direct exact opportunity, but there's some things that we can do um, just as Christians, and I, I want to talk about that. But there's a certain atmosphere that, that God wants us to have as the church. If hospitality is supposed to be rooted in his love, as we live our life following Jesus, the church should have this, this atmosphere that as people come in, they get a sense that I'm welcomed here. I, I'm loved. I'm, I'm cared for. And that is what God uses to draw people to himself. And so love and hospitality must permeate the atmosphere of the church. This is the kind of community that God wants us to have. Uh, In Hebrews, you see this theme come up again. It says, let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. This idea of of hospitality to strangers, again, it's just people that, that you don't know people that you're not in a relationship with. They could be somebody from someplace far off. They could be somebody that's lived next to you for a long time. A neighbor in scriptures is whoever God puts you in the path of at any given moment. So it may not be physical. It just may be an opportunity that that God brings. But all around us, there's people that are actually desperately looking for hope and desperately looking for love. And the church, we have an opportunity to extend that through the love of Jesus Christ. And so... I want to just talk about some practical ways uh, that, that we can do this. And it begins with just the choices we make in our individual life. Some of these are actually going to seem like overly simple. But they actually go a long way in generating hospitality. One thing that you can do as you are engaged in your world, as you're going to class or school or work or wherever you are, one of the things you can do is smile at People. I'm actually not kidding. Like, smile. When you smile at others, you are actually, from the countenance of your face, you are saying, like, I'm tearing down this wall that exists between us. Now, women, be wise as you smile towards men. Okay? But there's a sense in which we are so closed off from each other in today's culture that we we just fail to even smile. But a smile goes a long way and just, it's good to see you. I don't even know you, but I'm smiling. It's good to see you. That's inviting. And especially in the church, if you smile at people, as people come, that lets them know, like, we're glad you're here. We say that. But if you say, we're glad you're here. What am I saying? We're not really glad, but I'm supposed to say that. But if you see somebody, it's like, it's so good to see you and you smile at them, it actually becomes real. And it is real. And so you you can smile at people. Another thing is, as you're interacting with people uh, in your neighborhood, near your cubicle, wherever you are, engage in conversation. Okay? When somebody asks you how you're doing, and you say, you know, I'm doing really well. How are you doing? Listen to what they say. Actually listen to what they say. Ask a question to follow up. You're conversationally, in a dialogue, you're letting somebody know that I care about you to slow down what I'm doing in my life. And I'm willing to actually listen to what you have to say. And I may even ask you questions to find out more. Now, you've got to do that in a way like people aren't like, hey, you know, I have a little zone of comfort here and you're crossing it. But you can get the sense of like, how, how do you personally relate to somebody? And that, that goes that goes a long way. Um, if you haven't invited somebody over to your house for dinner in a year, let's say, invite somebody over. It could be somebody that you actually don't know well, but most people are willing to come over to somebody's house for free food. Right? They are. We're having dinner. Would you Would you like to come have dinner with us? And they may, you know, maybe they say no the first time, but you've extended this 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 hand of hospitality. Like, I want you to be able to come into to my world. And maybe if that just doesn't seem like where the relationship is, just it might be weird. Just, hey, I'm going to go grab a bite to eat. Would you like to come with me for lunch? And just go with somebody. We live in a world now where it's, we do things by ourselves so much that we've like lost the art of being hospitable. And many times we think it's because everyone just is so private and there's these boundaries. Well, the boundaries are there because... People aren't taking initiative to do it. And so as Christians, our role is we have to break down some of those barriers by extending love and friendship to those around us. It begins by smiling. It begins by asking people if they'd like to engage in the world in which you live with them. Grabbing a bite to eat, something like that. A third thing you can do is if a neighbor or somebody around you has a need, how could you help them? I want to share a a, a quick story. Two months ago, I was meeting with a guy of of our church and I was walking him back out to his car and a neighbor of mine drove out. Actually, it was the boyfriend of a neighbor of mine drove out of their car and just the tires flapping and you're you're like, oh, that's not good. And so he stopped his car and it was like 10 o'clock at night and it was kind of late. And in that moment, I'm walking and I'm thinking, he's got a flat tire, but it's kind of late. And so do I just act like I can't hear the thud of tire just smacking against the pavement? And decided, like, no, no, I need to need say. And so started talking to him, me and, me and my friend started talking to him, and seems like a flat tire. And, and as we're talking, realize he doesn't know how to change a flat tire. And we started to try to help, and then we realized, like, we don't know how to change this tire exactly. Like, <laughs> where's the jack? How does it work? Where's the pieces? And you, like, you have a jack that's like a triangle, you know, all crazy stuff, as you guys know. And in that moment, it was just God was saying, you you need to stop and and you you need to help. And so we we got the tire changed and we got dirty and it was inconvenient. And the person, my neighbor's family kind of comes and they're pulling up, they're shining the lights and people are holding flashlights. And this is like community project. And we have never really, I've never met or engaged them in conversation. The reason I say that is a few, like actually last Saturday, we were invited over to their party that they were having right next door, and they went out of their way to to invite me and my family. Three different people from the family came to our door, like making sure that we were going to go. There was this huge party, and they were celebrating. It was like a baby shower. He was one month old. There, this this gal's brother who I'd been interacting with, and we we got to go to this party. And, and I thought this, this is what hospitality looks like. We we extended a hand to help, and then now, like, we've been invited into their world, and now they, they want to include us. And so that was on Saturday night. Sunday night, the neighbor comes with fruit that, that she wanted to give us. And so the reason I'm saying this is I thought, you know, we'll be hospitable. What ended up happening is that this, like, wall that existed is gone, and she dropped off fruit, and she's inside of our house talking to us, and she's telling us good place to eat, and we're, like, interacting. I'm like, this gal I've had maybe three conversations with. And she interacts with our kids. My son just finished his soccer team. She's telling him she's going to buy him a boba. And you know, you're like, no, you know, don't say that. And he's like, yeah. Like, you know, but this, this like, interaction is happening. And the reason I'm saying that, it's not, it's not because of anything great that we did in the moment. It was just there was a need and we looked to meet it. And it took just a little bit of time. But what it did is it opened up this relationship. And that's what God does all around us all the time. We just have to open our eyes. We have to slow down. We have to see that there's ways around and there's people around us that we can meet the needs of others. But you don't know that unless you're praying for those opportunities. So if you're smiling and you're having conversations and you're inviting people, pray as well. Pray for ways that you can bridge the gap that exists between you and somebody else. Just ask God, God, will you help me to connect with the people in my life right now? I've never had a conversation, but it'd be great if I could meet this person and, and just be kind. Show, show a practical way of loving them. So it begins by, by taking the, these steps. And it, it also means taking risk. It means you have to be willing to take a risk. Maybe to be rejected. Maybe somebody doesn't want you to be hospitable towards them. But as Christians, we're anchored in God's love. And if we're rejected, God loves us. That's okay. We're not rejected by him. And so I encourage you to just think through all the faces of the people in which you interact with that you don't know. And think about all the people that you could meet that you've never met. Just in this community alone, we have just hundreds of thousands of people in a five-mile radius from right here. An opportunity to take the light that God has given us through Christ's love to penetrate the darkness. And it happens oftentimes not by the words that we say, but by our willingness to to be a friend, to show love, to help those in need. So I I just encourage you in your own world, just think about what what that is for you and the opportunities that God may be bringing. So I'm going to wrap up and I'm going to invite the the band to come up. And as I do that, just think about that. And there's a couple next steps that that you can take uh, today. And the first one is, is just show hospitality to somebody this week. Is there somebody that, that you can connect with in this way that in practical ways that I've talked about, or some, maybe some other things that come to your mind, but what are some ways that you can practically show hospitality to those in your world this week? And so you can write that on your connection card. If, if you've not yet filled out the connection card, uh, pull that out and you can finish filling that out. We're going to receive our offering. you can drop that uh, in there. And then the second next step is consider some people that you can invite to the family Christmas service. Sometimes the idea of inviting somebody to church, it seems like, why would anyone want to come? But you know, this time of year at Christmas, there's tremendous opportunities because people actually want to have something that represents the season. And there's people that are open to going to church that would never go to church just because it's Christmas. And so consider, are there people in your world You can extend hospitality by saying, will you be my guest at our church? And if they come, being able to host them in a way that they'll they'll really benefit from coming. So I encourage you just to begin thinking through that right now. And just for the courage to invite them over the next few weeks. So there are a couple next steps. If you have others, I encourage you to write those. And I'm encouraged to see, especially just this Christmas and the next month or so, how God can use us to be a light. To those around us. So let's pray. God, we, we do thank you ultimately for your son Jesus, for the love that he's given us and through the, the sacrifice that he made on our behalf on the cross. God, help us to be a church that values guests and looks for ways to meet them where, where they are. And just give us hearts for people that's beyond our, sometimes our selfishness or the inconvenience or all that we have going on in our world. And help us to see just what you're doing around us. So I pray this week, just this week, that you'll give us an opportunity to show hospitality to somebody. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.